Go podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.thesanctuarychurch.com. That's what we're doing in this series. We're talking about the more of God. Uh, If you have the app on your phones, go ahead and open up your phones, open up the app, you can get that. If you don't have the app, I wanna encourage you in the chair back, there's a small card right there that says how you can get that in App Store or uh, at the Google Play, you can go get that. I wanna welcome you today. Uh, if you are a guest with us, my name is Pastor Marty Walker. I want to welcome you here. Uh, I'm the lead pastor here, and I believe, I, I just want to say this, I believe I want you to feel at home. That's, a, that's what we're trying to do. That's a, I'm believing in that you'll go, all right, okay, I'm at home. So uh, I want to have a conversation with you this morning about this more. Uh, if you are looking for the hard copy of notes, you don't have it on your app, you can, get, you can get a hard copy, raise your hands, the ushers will get them out to you. Just raise your hands, the ushers will bring them to you. I want you to have that because we're going to be filling out the notes this morning. I have things I want you to walk with. I've been in this more series today. I'm arriving in the third part, and that is what God wants to do. What God wants to do. Again, if you are a guest in the chair back, I want to, I want to point this out to you if you're a guest. There's one of these guest cards. I just want to thank you for being here. Uh, I realize there's a lot of amazing churches in the Santa Clarita Valley, and there's a lot of places you could be this morning, and you have chosen, or maybe you were forced, I don't know, Uh, but you're here, and I want to thank you for being here. There's a Connect card. You can fill that out, bring it over here at the end of the service. We'd love to meet you and uh, get to know you a little bit. Uh, So again, uh, get your hands up if you didn't get those notes. I want to make sure you get those, but we started this series a few weeks ago by laying a foundation for more. Uh, I taught in the first week... Uh, that we were together, that everything we do starts with a clear understanding of three things. And I went through these three things. First, I shared how this congregation has been spiritually minded for 81 years. This congregation, I talked about our past, and the question we were answering is, who are we and what have we done? Where have we been? That's, that's the big question. And then last week, I shared in our call to be salt and light in the world, influencing the environment around us with a lasting effect. That's what salt does, that's what light does. And so I talked about the present. I I answered the question, what are we doing now? Well this week, can you imagine what the blank is gonna be? Right, it's the present. We're gonna be talking about the future. No, we're gonna talk about the future today. Uh, I wanna share with you where I believe God wants to take us. Where God wants to take us. So if you're filling in the notes today, it's the, the future is that blank there. What are we called to do? That's, again, that's the question that I want to answer today. When I think about where we have been and where we are currently, I I realize very clearly that God has positioned us for more. God has positioned us as a congregation. We are postured for more, for something more. And let me start by sharing with you something that drives me every week. And some of you know about this, and some I've shared it before, but I want to share it with you again. This is what drives me every week. This is, this is my pulpit. And on it are four scriptures, and I read these all the time. Don't worry, you don't have to read them. I'm going to pull them up here for you. You're like, I can't see that, Pastor. There's these four scriptures, but I read them all the time because this is what drives me. This is my vision for what I'm doing up here. This is, this is why I stand up here in front of you and share with you on a weekly basis. Because I want us to get this. 
I want us to get this. So let me share these scriptures with you. The first one is 1 Timothy 1.5, and it says this, the purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a genuine faith. See, I read that. It's right here. As I'm teaching, I'm like, yes, this is what I want. Colossians 2.2. I want them to be encouraged. I want them to be knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have a complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan that isn't a mystery. It's Christ himself. And then Ephesians 3.17, that Christ will make his home in your hearts. As you trust in him, your roots will grow down deep into God's love, and that'll keep you strong. And then that last scripture here is Philippians 1.9. I pray that your love will overflow, here it comes, what? More and more. And that you'll keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. This drives me. This is the vision for why I get up here and share whatever it is that I'm sharing from. Wherever in the Bible I'm sharing from. These are the four things that are written right here that keep me focused. This is where I'm, I'm coming from. But in this season in particular, I believe God wants to do more. I believe God wants to accomplish more. But for that to happen, we have to see more. So I want to show you the scriptures on either side of Philippians 1. Watch this. I'm going to show you verses 8, 9, and 10. Here's verse 8. This is before that, right? God knows how much I love you. I do. That's why I do what I do. It's not a job for me. It's not a paycheck for me. I want you to hear that. I genuinely love this congregation. And I long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I'm telling you, I'm praying for you. I'm praying that God does something. And then we get into verse nine that I shared earlier. I pray, this is, remember, I'm longing for you. These are my prayers, that your love will overflow more and more. That it won't just flow to you, it'll flow through you. This is my prayer, that you'll keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. Here's why. Because I want you to understand what really matters. You ever found yourself wasting time on stuff that doesn't matter? You just go, what did I just do? Cabbage.com. You know, it's why, why was I looking at dancing cabbages that sing? I mean, God, you know, you know, you know what I'm talking about? I want you to understand what really matters. Here's why. So that you may live pure and blameless lives until Christ returns. That's the more. And then Ephesians 4, 14 through 16. Look at this. Because when that happens, when we're living for Christ, I want you to catch this. Then, then we will no longer be immature. I mean, I'm just going to say it now. I'm sorry. I, I can't. St- when I get caught in the immaturity of my mind and in my heart, I'm like, what did I just do? I can throw a tantrum with the best of two-year-olds. Now watch this. I may not be on the ground. I may not be flailing and throwing my, fan- my hands in my feet. But I'm telling you what's going on inside of me. I'm freaking out because I didn't get my, anybody want to join? You guys are so, you're like, poor pastor. Oh, you need to pray for me. I'm telling, I, tell, I do, I feel like, what did I just do? I just threw a total fit. 
and while doing so, typically throw somebody else under the bus, right? This is what I do, because I'm immature. I'm like a child. But see what happens when I grow up. When I get mature, then watch this. This is why I'm praying for us, that we won't be tossed and blown, by, or blown around by every wind of new teaching. We're not going to be influenced by people when they trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Huh? That, that sound, actually, wow, yeah, you know, that sounds right. But yeah, what does the Bible say? See, I keep, I keep pointing us back here because I got all kinds of people convincing me of truth all day long until I go, wait a minute, that's not what the Bible says. That's the way I feel, but that's not what the Bible says. Because the Bible says don't trust my feelings in this area. I hear you, I hear what you're saying about getting what I want, when I want it, how I want it, where I want it, and with who I want it. I'm with you, that, that's truth, yeah. Then I go, wait, 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 the Bible says something else. And, and again, here's why. Because instead, we want to speak the truth in love. Growing every way, what does it say? More and more. Here it comes again. More and more like Christ, who's the head of his body, the church. That's what I'm trying to do. We're, we're trying to grow up. And I said it in our first week together when I was talking about our past. This congregation is going to keep doing what we've been doing for decades. We're going to keep gathering. We're going to keep praying. We're going to keep worshiping together. We're going to continue to stand unified. We're going to continue to seek God's word. We're going to continue to serve the community. Those things don't change. That's in our past, and it's going to continue as it has in our present. It's going to continue in our future. But there's a lot of us who are asking God to help us minister to the people around us. And that can only happen, and this is in your notes, when we see things like he does. You want to minister to people around you, you have to be able to see like Jesus does. What did he see in that situation? What, Lord, what are you wanting to show me in this situation? Now, how, how can we see like he does? How do we do that? I, I believe it's in one word. Ready? Interruptible. Jesus was interruptible. I think you and I would put it on a level of just total inconvenience. Man, he's always just getting interrupted all the time. Jesus dealt with being interrupted consistently. In Luke 5, he's in the middle of a sermon, right? He's, he's teaching, man. He's, he's bringing the point home. Chica, 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 right? He's the, and then, then, oh, then look, i got to tell you about this. And, then, and all of a sudden, the drywall starts dropping from the ceiling. He's like, what's going on, you know, right? I'm like right in the middle of my third point here. All of a sudden, the sun starts coming through. He's like, what's going on? Hey. And there, there's guys up on the roof digging a hole through the roof. Through the ceiling, hey, I see Jesus. Lower our friend down. Talk about being interrupted in the middle of something. Just imagine, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know how many of you have ever seen it, but you know, one time I was up here preaching and my ADD went crazy because one of the little filters fell off a light and it was just going, whoo, 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 whoo. And I'm like, okay, you guys, I'm lost. I'm stuck. Wait till it lands and then I'll continue my sermon. We wait till it lands. Right? This is what's happening. Jesus is in the middle of a sermon. And these guys go, we've got to get our friend to Jesus. He's the only one that can heal him. You talk about being interrupted. <laughs> Man. In Matthew 8, Jesus is enjoying a quiet day on the lake, taking a nap in a boat. Well, it wasn't a quiet day. There was a storm. But 
Here's Jesus asleep in the back of the boat, and the disciples, help us, we're all going to die. I'm like, you guys, I'm in the middle of my nap. You guys know pastors take naps on Sunday afternoons, right? Right? It's like, I'm locked my door. I just, I got to take a nap. Jesus is napping. Hey, Jesus, wake up. Again, Jesus, interruptible. He says, peace, be still. And not just the storm, but the sailors too. (gasps) This guy is God. Even the wind and the waves obey him. It's a beautiful story. Luke chapter 7. Jesus is meeting with city leaders, you know. He's at Salt Creek Grill with the city council kind of thing. Because that's where the city council eats lunch, right? Salt Creek Grill. So Jesus is at Salt Creek Grill, and he's having, he's having one of them chocolate molten cake. Have you, okay, I should stop. Okay. So, so Jesus is having lunch. He's in the middle of a meal with the city leaders. And he's kicking back, and they're enjoying, talking, good conversation. And in walks a prostitute. Catch this now, because it's a scene. Who starts crying on his feet and doesn't have a towel, so she wipes his feet with her hair. That's a picture. And you talk about an interruption? City council's going, whoa, 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 whoa. What is happening here? And then Jesus has this little conversation with her. <laughs> doesn't stop. Hey, you know, hold on. we'll get back to that in a minute. Hey, What? In fact, at one point, awesome story in Luke chapter 8, Jesus has just landed. He's just, he's gone across the lake, so he's in a total another sound. It's called the Ten Cities anyway. So he's landed here, and uh, he just gets off the boat, kind of, you know, gets out of the boat. You know, he starts walking. As soon as he gets on the shore, uh, one of the leaders of a church, like me, take me, okay, comes, oh, Jesus, I'm so glad you're here. My daughter's totally sick. You've got to come pray for my daughter. He goes, uh, let me get to my hotel first and unpack and I'll call you if we have room service. You know, we'll kind of, no, you know what you Okay. Listen, he just arrives. He, he's just on the, sh- the Bible says, on the shore. And the religious leader goes, you've got to come pray for my daughter. Oh, okay, all right, well, well, let's go pray for your daughter. Let's go, okay, fine. Watch this now. And then the Bible says this. <laughs> As the crowds pressed in around him, He's walking along. He goes, whoa, whoa. Somebody just touched me. Somebody just got healed. What was that? The disciples are like, Jesus, (laughs) they're all touching you? No, 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 no. Somebody just got healed. And this woman steps forward. She says, I've been bleeding for 12 years. It wouldn't stop. But I knew that if I could just touch the hem of your robe, I would be healed. He goes, oh, you're right. Now watch this. Jesus was so used to interruptions, even his interruptions were being interrupted. Right? I'm on my way. Hey, woman, I'm on my way to the house. Let me finish this interruption. I'll get to you in a minute. But you know what he does? He stops. He has a full conversation with this woman. Meanwhile, the, the church leader's going, uh, excuse me, daughter. Yeah. I, I begin to ask myself questions because, because I begin to think that Jesus' ministry Either, either his ministry was constantly being interrupted or his ministry was being interrupted. Being interrupted was his ministry. Maybe that's it. Maybe that that's the way the ministry worked. Maybe being interrupted was Jesus' ministry. 
There's an author named C.S. Lewis. There's a reason he calls himself C.S. because his name is Clive Staples. That's what you, you call yourself C.S. Here's what he says. Listen to this. He says this. The great thing, if one can, is to stop regarding all the unpleasant things as interruptions of one's own or real life. The truth is, of course, that what one calls the interruptions are precisely one's real life, the life God is sending each of us day by day. See, this is important because most of us would consider as we see these stories, we go, man, that's just a constant interruption. But Jesus understood, and this is one of your blanks, that those were divine appointments. These were appointments that Jesus had to keep. I was having a conversation with this kind of topic with a friend of mine. Some of you know Dario Pasquarelli. We were having lunch together. Incredible architect here in our congregation. And I was, we were talking about this, and, and he, he brought up this, this notion, this, this, this idea of a ministry of disruption. I said, whoa. We were, we were talking about this. Yeah, but that, there's a ministry of disruption. Now, I want you to understand kind of the difference here. Interruption is more on the receiving end. It's done to me. Disruption is more on the giving end. I'm doing it. And he said, you know, when you really think about it, Jesus had a ministry of disruption. I'm like, oh, dude, that's good. I'm going to steal that for a sermon coming up today. Um, <laughs> Jesus was not just interrupted, but he also disrupted people's lives. In John 8, a woman's been caught in adultery, and, and the price to pay is death. And everybody's got a rock, and watch this disruption, right? Listen, disruption takes place like this. It's just when somebody's got their head down, and they're focused, and they're thinking about something. It's, you know when people do this? and then you run into something, that's called disrupted, okay? But here's what happens. When, when, when I'm focused and I'm like, oh man, today's gonna be, and somebody just kind of gives me a nudge. Just kind of knock me out of the train of thought that I'm on. Watch how Jesus did this. It's so beautiful. They're about to kill this woman who's been caught in adultery. They've all got rocks. They're about to stone her to death. And he goes, hey, uh, Whoever hasn't sinned, you get to throw the first stone. Okay, listen. Um, what you're doing is wrong. I want you to stop doing that. I, I don't, watch this, watch this disruption. Watch him move her. I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. You see that little push? It, it happens, it happens. I, I don't know if you realize how often we're given the opportunity to disrupt somebody's life. Jesus is walking along. Again, he's got this parade route, right? The crowds, the multitudes are all joining him. He's like, into town. Blah, blah, blah. And he goes, whoop. Hey, uh, you, in the tree. Yeah, Zacchaeus, I want to have dinner at your place tonight. What, what are we cooking? What are we having? Tri-tip. I'm in. Show me. Let's go. I want to have dinner with you. Do you know what he just did? Disrupted. I'm... I'm up in the tree. How did he even see me? All the people all around him. Because I want to disrupt your life. I want to have dinner with you. 
at one point, Jesus is going to church. He's on his way into the synagogue. You, you remember the story a few weeks back I told about how Jesus, when his mom and dad came for, the, they came for Passover, and then they left, and then they had to come back and find him, and his answer was, well, you knew where I'd have to be, in my father's house, doing my father's business, right? Well, here he is, watch, that same Jesus is headed into the temple, headed into the synagogue, and he's like, hey, have you guys seen this guy? And, and it, the Bible says withered hand. I don't think it's, it's descriptive enough. The word is actually gnarled. So imagine like hardcore arthritis. This, this man with a gnarled hand. And Jesus goes, hey, do you guys see this guy's hand? Healed. You talk about disrupted. Guy's probably jobless, can't work. I mean, you just think, play it through. He goes, Healed. Like, what? And he goes, oh, yeah, it's the Sabbath. Well, you know, it's good to do things on the Sabbath. Boom. It's good to do good things on the Sabbath. Beautiful. At one point, Jesus, Jesus was always eating. That's why Christians, we're always eating. <laughs> right? Jesus is over at Peter's house. Right? He goes to Peter. Pete, let's go to your place. Your wife can't cook. Right? So we go over to Peter's house, goes in. Hey, what's going on? Oh, mother-in-law's sick. She's in bed with fever. Fever? That's no good. I love her stew. In Jesus' name. No, he doesn't say that, actually. In my name, I pray. No, he, you know what he does? He prays for her. The fever is gone. And the Bible says she gets up and prepares a meal. Now, I, I know I'm being silly about it, because I don't think that's why he was healing her. But, but, I, want you to, but, but I, I do want you to see this. The healing was so complete, there wasn't this leftover fuzziness. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like you get better, but then it takes you three days to get back on track? No, healed now. Whew. Restored. You talk about being disrupted. Now this happens for me when I like go to the grocery store or something. It drives my poor bride crazy. I'm like wanting to have a conversation with these people and they're like, just let them bag the groceries. Right? I'm like, hey man, how long you been here? A couple years. You going to school? Oh yeah, what are you in school for? <laughs> What's with all the questions, stalker? Right? No, last name Walker. Right? Right? They're like, man, what's with the question? I go, so what are you in school for? Oh, I'm getting a psychology degree. That's awesome. Wow, what do you want to do with that? Why are you asking all the bizarre questions? Watch this. Because I want to disrupt your life. I want you to know that you are not here to bag my groceries. You are here to be loved. You are here to have your life changed. You are here to have your life transformed. And it begins by having a small conversation. By, they wear a name tag. You can, say, you can say, hey, John. Hey, Grace. Hey, whatever. Right? Say their name. I do it all the time in restaurants. Thank you, Sarah. I'm Marty. I'm having a tri-tip today. You know, whatever it is. That's disruption. It's disruption to say hello these days, isn't it? It's disruption to just greet someone. Watch this. It's a disruption to go beyond hey to how are you? No, how are you really doing? What do you want? All of a sudden, people are backed off. They're like, what's going on? Jesus disrupted things, and we are called to disrupt. We're called to disrupt broken marriages. 
to encourage those people. We're called to disrupt sickness and disease. We're called to disrupt a struggling business. I walk into business, I go, how long have you guys been here? Oh, it's been a year. How are you guys doing? Oh, it's really hard. I'm going to tell people about you. This was a good meal. Which, by the way, if you haven't been to Zenga Grill, I know you guys are all getting hungry. I'm not going to get you out of here. If you haven't been, on, you haven't been to Zenga at Via Princesa and Sierra Highway inside the Albert, uh, uh, Straight, uh, Trader, uh, uh, Stater Brothers parking lot, that's good grub. And listen, that might sound familiar to you. Do you guys remember Zenga? That's the business, the small business. The son is the owner, the mom and dad are working for him. Watch this. And somebody broke into their store overnight and stole their cash register. Am I ringing any bells now? You know what we did, right? We disrupted his business by buying him a new cash register and by replacing the window in his store because he's a, he's a struggling business owner. That's called disrupting. And so we continue to disrupt. We disrupt areas like Jake's Way, places in need. We disrupt schools, students, PTAs. We disrupt, we disrupt administrators and teachers during teacher appreciation. Why is a church washing all of our cars? <laughs> teachers asked that question this last year. Why is a church washing every one of the teachers' cars? Because it's teacher appreciation week. How come they're making us breakfast every day? How come they're leaving us gifts? Why are they giving us gift cards? Because you're working with our kids. You deserve it. <laughs> That's disrupting. And all of this points to something that I've been talking about over the last several weeks, and that's getting a kingdom mindset. We've got to get a kingdom mindset. We've got to think, I'm not here for me. This life is not about what I get out of it. It's life is about what I'm putting into it. And I've been talking about this kingdom mindset. The first week, I talked about ownership. Who does it all belong to? And in the second week, I talked about stewardship. What are we doing with all of it? But this week, I want to share with you about giving. Does it all flow freely through us and not just to us? God is the supreme owner. How do we manage our resources? And how can we develop our empowerment? I want to share that with you this morning. For years, I didn't preach on giving. I would simply mention it in passing. But giving's a big topic. The problem is that when I did do a sermon on giving, I would essentially start by backpedaling. Right? I would start out with, you know, I'm really sorry you came today. Please come back next week. I promise I won't do another teaching on giving for another 51 weeks. Just, it's all really good. Just, please come back next week. Please, please, please. And it's easy to understand why we tiptoe around the subject of, of ownership and stewardship and giving. It's easy to see. Because so many of us still struggle with the position that money has in our lives. I know I do. I struggle with it because I'm dealing with it every day. I'm thinking about it all day long. Money. That's why the Bible has so much to say about it. The problem is people are skeptical of the church's motives, both inside and outside the church. You know, what are they really doing with all that money? Some people are turned off if we preach on pornography or adultery, but we don't apologize for it. Right? We don't go, hey, if you're having an affair, please understand, we, we seldom talk about sexual purity. Come back next week and we won't offend you. But when it comes to money, we're like, uh, imagine I'm going to share on forgiveness, right? And you open up your bulletin and you find this. Look at this. 
Pastor Marty's going to be talking about releasing resentment today. Please understand, this sermon is for our members only. If you're visiting today and are unexpected, you aren't expected to forgive. If you're currently harboring a grudge, earplugs are provided for your convenience. What would you do if you saw that in the bulletin? I want to apologize to you because, well, I know you're not part of our congregation, so if you want to keep unforgiving people, then you just keep doing that. I, I don't care. God has called us to forgive. And, and that's the point of, of this section of teaching where God is trying to get it to us. I stopped apologizing for teaching on money. You know why? Because it's an essential part of all of our lives. Imagine not talking about the single thing that concerns every single one of us. Yeah, let's not talk about that. It's on my preaching calendar every year because how we relate to money is so important. And every year I share on stewardship, ending with a very tangible application. Today is Tithe Sunday, and I've been saying this each week, and I want you to hear this very clearly. This is an invitation, not an obligation. You're not obligated to put anything in the basket to the church, nothing. It's an invitation. It's the same invitation that God gave to us. All of us have resources. All of us have them. The question is, what are we doing with our resources? That's your, that's your last blank on your fill in the sheets. What are we doing with our resources? I want to show you what Jesus had to say about this principle. Would you open your Bibles, please, to Luke chapter 6? I want you to see this. If you don't have a Bible with you, grab one out of the chair back in front of you because I really want you to see this. Luke chapter 6. I want you to see some principles. Jesus is talking about this principle that I'm talking about right now, giving, and I just want to put it back on him. And watch this in verse 37. Here it comes, ready? Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 37. Do not judge others. And you'll not be judged. How many, how many of you heard that? Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Right? Here, here's the next one. Do not condemn others or it'll all come back against you. Here it comes again. Ready? Here it comes. Forgive others and you'll be forgiven. How, how do you like that little list? Don't judge. Don't condemn. And make sure that you forgive. I'm like, bring it. That'll preach. Right? This is list of intangibles. Judgment, condemnation, forgiveness. These are all things that we steward. We are given the ability to not be judgmental. We're given the ability to not condemn other people. We're given the ability to forgive other people. The question is, what are you going to do with it? Now, we understand this pretty clear, but then Jesus moves out of this intangible list to a tangible thing. Look at the next verse. Give and you'll receive Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over, pouring into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Now, I want to do a little experiment here for a minute. Let's just get rid of this first sentence. Let's let's just get rid of that. Let's read the rest of this passage in the context of verse 37. Watch. Don't judge, because you're going to be judged when you judge others. Everybody remember that part? Don't condemn because it's going to come back to you in full measure and make sure you forgive other people. Now let's continue. Watch this. Your gift. This is all part of the same paragraph, everybody. Let's just forget about this little sentence, these little five words. Just pull them out for a minute. Let's talk about 
Judgmentalness, right? being judgmental, uh, being condemning, and forgiving. Your gift to not be judgmental is a gift. <laughs> you ever felt the gift of somebody not judging you? Moms, when your kids are throwing the fit in the middle of the store and they're just going, girl, I know. <laughs> right? And you, No judgment, girl, I know. I got two of those at home. I have those conversations in the store. That's another one of those, those disrupting moments. I have it all the time. Don't worry. They'll get older. <laughs> Not being judgmental is a gift. Watch this. Your gift. Your gift will return to you in full. Isn't that what he said about condemnation? When you condemn somebody, it comes back in you in full measure. Watch this. Pressed down, shaken together to make room for more. Running over and over. Forgiveness. What if forgiveness could run over and over? Just make room for more forgiveness. I'm such a forgiving person. What was the last person you heard say that? It'll be poured into your lap. And the amount, watch this now, the amount that you give will determine the amount that you get back. And we're okay as long as I get rid of those first five words. As long as we're talking about judgmental, being judgmental, as long as we're talking about not being condemning, as long as we're talking about forgiving other people, I'm good with this whole thing. But as soon as you start saying give, why are you talking about money now? I didn't, Jesus did. Jesus put that tangible thing in the list of intangibles. Do you see it? He did that. I don't know why he did, but he did. And then he called it a gift. It's a gift to forgive somebody. It's a gift to not judge them. It is a gift to not condemn someone. It is a gift to give. And that's, that's what we do. <laughs> the government doesn't subsidize what we do. We do. The Bible calls it steady goodness. The faithfulness of the saints. Makes what we do happen. Keeps the lights on. Keeps the floor carpeting you know, clean. That's, this is what we do. This scripture is like the time in Matthew 23, 23, where Jesus said, hey, you know what, you should tithe, but make sure that you don't forget about justice, mercy, and faith. Yeah, Jesus said that in the New Testament, by the way, you should tithe. Tithing's not in the New Testament. Luke 23, 23, it's right there. Jesus said it, not Paul, not Peter, not Timothy, not John, Jesus. You should tithe, but don't forget about justice, mercy, and faith. See, and what he's saying is you should give, but don't forget about forgiving other people, not being judgmental, and not condemning other people. You should be doing those things. I want to encourage you to be generous with your forgiveness. Be generous in not condemning other people. Be generous in not judging people. And yes, be generous in your giving to the pregnancy center, to the Red Cross. I, I can list off a bunch of people. To the sanctuary. Because the Bible says this, that when we, when we tithe, that it teaches us to respect and honor the Lord. And it, to, it shows us where our priorities are. The beautiful thing about tithing is it gets right down to the motive for giving. Man, if your motive is just not to feel guilty, that Bible calls that a guilt offering. Don't do it. Don't do it. I, I, you heard me just say it. Don't do it. If you feel guilty, oh, the basket's coming. I gotta throw something. Just don't. Just don't. 
But the Bible says that where our treasure is, our heart is. And he says, listen, when I can get a hold of the thing that I treasure most, everything starts to prioritize itself. And I start to have an understanding of what's happening. And the beautiful thing about the way God designed tithing is it really gets down to the motive. And that is this. It's not equal contribution. It's equal sacrifice. That's what God's after. He's like, hey, hey, I want this to come from your heart. I don't want you to, it's my duty, I have to, you've got to pay another bill to the church. No, that's, that's not it. That's not it at all. It's not equal contribution, it's equal sacrifice because 10% of $10 and 10% of $100 and 10% of $1,000 and 10% of $10,000 is still 10% is 10% is 10%. And it's just as costly to this kid who just made his first $10 as is this person who got a $10,000 bonus. And God simply says, I want it to be from your heart. There's so much to say about finances. I've, I've put this together. I have this for you. This is in the, in, the, in the lobby. You can get one of these. It's free. God owns it all. The Bible has a lot to say about our finances. We're, we're messed up in our finances. Our debt is crazy because we don't read the Bible. We're amassing these things in the name of debt because we don't read our Bible. We don't, we're not preparing. Listen to this. We're not prepared for the future. <gasps> What's going to happen if... Because we don't read our Bible. And the Bible's very clear. And so what I did is I put a reader together for you, and it's free. And again, because so many of us struggle with the position that money has in our lives. What does money, what does money mean to you? Find out what God says money is supposed to mean to us. I want to encourage you to pick this up because it'll address those things. And in, in my life, I'm like, ah. There's things, I'm, I've, I've been honest with you. I wish I had like a little Sharpie marker. Can we take that out? I hate it when he said that, but it's still there. I don't want to offend you, but I do want to challenge you. The same way God challenged us. He challenged all of us. Again, it's the only place in scripture where he said, I dare you try it. 99.9999999% of the time, he says, how dare you try that? But in this day, he's going, I need to get to your heart. And so today is Tithe Sunday. It is for those who are participating in what we do on a regular basis. This, this is your congregation. This is where you are ministering. This is where you are being fed. That, that's what this is about. So let me pray. Father, I want, I want eyes to see. I want to see what you're doing. I want to see how you're doing it. I want to be a part of what you're doing. But I know I need to be able to see it, and I don't like being interrupted. I'm busy. I've got things to do. And yet, Father, that's exactly what you're asking of us. Would you, would you be interruptible? Would you see it as a divine appointment instead of somebody bothering me and interrupting the schedule I pray, Father, that as we do the one thing even right now, we, we are taking the time out of a schedule to say, we want to worship you in spirit and in truth. Our day has been interrupted. Our week has started with this interruption of church. The church has gathered, not a building, a people. That's the church. We've gathered and we want to do that this morning. And then I pray, as we do, would you disrupt us? Would you disrupt our lives the way you did to Zacchaeus? Sat down with him. 
Would you disrupt our lives as you didn't condemn, as you forgave for our Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I want to thank you for the gifts that you've given to us. And these songs are just a a sampling of, of how we feel about what you've done. We praise you for what you've done. We worship you for who you are. Let it be so. In Jesus' name, let it be done.